0: Verse 10, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his with our own eyes. And now test of God, have God learn to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God verse 16 We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them and as we live in God our love grows more perfect so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment but we can face with him we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world such a love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of judgment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses in all of Christendom, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that means one of a kind son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For the next few moments, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to pose this question, kind of weave it in throughout the talk. The question is, does God love me? Does God Love me. Let's pray. Father, speak to us. Holy Spirit, move and help us to experience your love. And everybody said, amen. You can grab a seat. You can grab a seat. There seems to have been this misconception, this misinterpretation and a misunderstanding of what love is. Love is probably the most misinterpreted, misconstrued, misunderstood word in all of our language. It's deep, it's intricate, it's detailed, it's complex, and yet it's simple all at the same time. It's only four letters long, but it seems to have this very deep meaning. I dare say love is the most overused and least understood word in, in the history of all language. However, love is the theme of this life. Love is the anthem of this life. It's a key part of our very existence. It's in our DNA, and nothing will ever change that. We need Love. It's, it's just a part of us. Everyone, every person in this room, everyone you know, whether they're a Christian or not, everybody has an inward desire to love and to be loved. People are so thirsty for a love that they cannot find that they are settling for the counterfeit our world has to offer. Afraid of real love, so they settle with the fake love that they find. Living off likes, follows, views, shares while starving for affection. They are enamored with, they are infatuated with the, uh, the idea of love and frustrated with the elusive nature of love. You are pursuing it, but yet you cannot seem to find it. Here's the truth. We're in love with love, just not the truth of it. And it's sad. Seems our world has done an amazing job of diluting the word down to its purpose, redefining the issue which it was intended as if it were just another four letter word. The issue is we have let culture teach people what Christians should be showing them. We have let our society and our in our our world teach people how to do something that is natural to believers. The Bible says the world will know our love for God by the way that we love one another. John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another, for us, will prove to the world that we are followers of Jesus. I want to ask you right now in this moment, is the love that you show, is it evident, does it communicate that you are a follower of Jesus? But apparently we don't know what love is. Part of the issue with love is that we think it means acceptance. We, we see love without consequence. We, we've tampered with and altered the meaning of love and now confuse it with agreement. And since we are limited in our understanding of what love is, we think love has to like. We think love has to agree. We think love can never say no. But then you ask, if God loves me, why does he discipline me? If God loves me, why does he apply consequences to my life? Because without consequences, you will never understand. You will never know the detriment of your defiance and disobedience against love. You'll never understand the repercussions of what you do against God's love. Even God's discipline is love. His disapproval of lifestyle choices in his word is a form of love. He is demonstrating his active love towards us. He loves you hard. He loves you well. He loves you whole. He loves you complete because many of us are so unfamiliar with this type of real love. We respond in fear and run from it even when we are shown real love. Consequences are a part of the love language of God. Discipline is a form of love. Correction is a form of love. And most of us, we have this idea that when someone corrects us, we automatically assume they hate us. But discipline can be a form of love. Because if he didn't correct you, he he wouldn't love you. If he didn't give you consequences, he wouldn't care what happened to you. Hebrews 12, 6 says, the Lord corrects the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. And this, this is where we get this bad theology where people believe and think God loves them enough to spend an eternity with him in heaven, but not enough to spend time with him while on the earth. We get this disconnect in our theology. I think some people don't love God. Let me let me take a little bit more time on that. I think some people don't love God. I think they love the idea of God. If I had to be real honest, if I, I almost wanted to sit down literally right here and just have a conversation. It feels like I'm gonna take up the most time of it, but I just wanted to present to you. I really, I wonder if people don't really love God if they just love the idea of Him. Because love demands things from us because the most commonly told lie the most commonly told lie it's not even a secret I'm gonna share it with you the most commonly told lie is to tell is I love you. you take example you need an example let me give you an example you meet someone on Thursday you take them out on Friday you text all day Saturday and then you love them on Sunday that's not how that works we, the easiest lie we tell is I love you. How? You don't even know them. You don't even know yourself. How can you love them? We say I love you to people we can't forgive. We say I love you to people that we don't really like. Oh, it's okay. I, I love you, girl. You know, it's fine. And then you look at your friends and am like, she just be lying. You say you love you to people you barely even like. You say I love you to people that you barely even know. You say I love you to people that you want to fight. You say I love you to people that you actually hate. You're telling people you barely like that you love them. And listen, it's not my job to teach you how to hate people. I'm not going to try to give you biblical permission to hate somebody because you're not going to find it. I'm not going to tell you how to do that because that's against our nature. It's my call to love hell out of people, and so is yours. My job is to love you as best I can and to let God love you perfectly. Because even in my hardest way, even the hardest I try to love you the way that I think you need to be loved, it's still not enough and it still doesn't compare to the way that God needs to love you. Why don't we know what love is? I think we've believed a lie. So before we give you a definition of what love is, let's acknowledge who love is. Because we won't know what love is until we realize who love is. The first thing you need to know is God equals love. We already read it earlier. God equals love. You're gonna be, cont- I promise you, the way our culture is headed, I promise you, you're gonna be taught definitions of love that are not only not accurate, they are unbiblical. You can't stand on them. I promise you, this love that they are teaching you is faulty. The love that movies show you, it doesn't work. Love equals God. Verse eight of first John chapter four, but anyone who does not love God does not know God for God is love and not and not love as we know it. I'm talking about real love. I'm talking about God's love. I'll describe it to you. It's actually found in first Corinthians 13. It says it like this. It describes God's love this way. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up and never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Love will last forever. I want you to understand something about God's love because everywhere you see the word love in 1 Corinthians 13, you can replace it with God. God is patient, God is kind, God is not jealous, He's not boastful or proud or rude. God does not demand His own way. I'll just pause right there. He does not demand His own way, He gives you a choice, He lets you choose. God is not irritable. God keeps no records of being wronged. It says he cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. God does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives last forever like him. And, I, and we are to be like God. We are to love like him. We are to look like him. And I want to ask, does this love that I just read describe the love that you show? I said it earlier. I'll break it down. Love is patient. I, I got to ask, are you patient? Some of you are not patient. You get to a stoplight and you lose your mind. Are you patient? Because when you when when you're patient, let me even say it this way, because when you're impatient, you're actually unloving. Patience is a fruit of the spirit. Matter of fact, love is kind. I just want to ask you young people, are you kind? When you're unkind, you're unloving. Now, also listen to this. Your mood, your past, your exhaustion, your schedule, your personality does not give you permission to be rude. You have no permission to be rude. I, even myself, I'll just be honest with you. I'll, I'll, be, I'll have a moment of confession. I'll, I'll be transparent with you. I have been called unkind myself. I've been called unkind. If some of you are like, Pastor Will, you are unkind. I, that's your opinion. People have called me Unkind. But see, kindness is not about smiling. Kindness is about empathy. It's about consideration. It's about appropriate responses. It has nothing to do with having a nice demeanor. It has nothing to do with smiling because I'm of the opinion that people in New York aren't mean. They just mind their business. And you would go up to New York and be like, these people are mean. And we have this thing in the South. It's this weird term that we like to use. We call it Southern hospitality. And I don't believe it's Southern hospitality. I believe it's Southern hostility because you'll say, hey girl, how you doing? And they'll walk off and be like, do you see what she's wearing? It's really, it's a lie. It's not kind. And I find it interesting that we do this. And I want to say, just because I'm not smiling doesn't mean I'm not kind. But I really do, just being honest with you, just for a moment, I really do. I I try my best to be kind and it's challenging for me. It's really hard for me, and I'll tell you why. My first response, my innate, my innate desire is to fight and protect because I do not trust people. I just don't. It's how I was raised. And listen, please hear me. I am not justifying it. People just have abused my kindness just like they've abused yours. People have assumed that my kindness is weakness or approval of lifestyles and comments they made and choices they've made. Now, don't think, again, I'm giving myself permission to be mean because I have a biblical mandate to be kind. So do you. I'm just telling you, don't confuse meanness with honesty. Some of you aren't mean. You're just honest, and people don't know how to understand or take your vulnerability. Now, I'll also say on the flip side, you shouldn't share your opinion with everybody. Keep it to yourself. However, let me say this. Just because it's hard for you to hear, that doesn't mean it was mean for me to say I'm not being unkind. I, I have to, because here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with you because you got to be honest with yourself. I have to love people who don't like me and they do things or say things about me. I have to hug people who hate me. I don't know if you've ever done that. In my role on Sunday mornings, I'll come in. Good morning. How are you doing? We're glad that you're here. Welcome. But I got to hug them anyway. Before I asked my pastor in Mississippi, before we moved to Alabama, And I told some of you this before, I asked him, we were literally headed to a funeral, and I said, how do you die for people that want to kill you? How do you love people? How do you love them in such a way when you feel like like they're out to get you? I have to speak to people who talk about me, and I have to love people who I feel as though are trying to kill me, as I just said. But let me share with you, if you're an unkind Christian, you're not a Christian. We shouldn't be mean. There should be nothing about us that calls us mean. Here's the next one. Love does not envy. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love does not take the credit. Love does not not like to prove the point. Love doesn't have to be right. Love is not proud. There's a difference between confidence and arrogance. You've heard me say this before. See, pride cannot be found in love because love provokes humility. Humility. It makes you submissive. It makes you have a different posture. Love does not dishonor, disrespect, or disregard. Love does not seek the benefit of itself. Love is not easily angered. You got to watch the temper of those who say they love you. And just because someone doesn't express anger the way that you do, that doesn't mean they're angry. They may be irritated or overwhelmed. And if, they, if you grade their anger based on your emotional bandwidth, then you are saying you know how to control them better than they can control themselves. Love keeps no record of wrong. Let me just tell you what real love did. Real love died on the cross. Real love was pierced on his side. Real love had a crown of thorns placed on his head. Real love was willing to be mocked and embarrassed. Real love was beaten beyond recognition. Love was placed in a grave. That leads me to the last one in 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails. Jesus is love incarnate. He is love in the flesh. And if you need a pattern for love, you need to look at the person of Jesus because when you look at what he does, when you look at what he said, it's love. He is so love. In fact, write this down. Point number one is pretty simple. God is love and love is real. I don't know about the fantasies that people are teaching you. I know in Aladdin they teach you about a whole new world and, you know, all the other things, and all the other Disney jingles that you can come up with. But I want to tell you that God is love and love is real. And you may be thinking, Pastor Will, I just want to find real love. The only way you're going to find real love is in a real God because you cannot have a God type of love without God. God is love and love is real. Part of the reason we will never fully understand God's love is because we'll never fully understand God. I'll say it this way. A revelation of God, uh, excuse me, a revelation of love is actually a revelation of God. See, here's what we do know about love. Love is biblical. It's spiritual, sacrificial, and unconditional. It's uncompromising, unlimited, unfathomable, and extraordinary. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. There's no equation to it. There's no stipulations, attachments, or catches to it. It's free. It's scandalous. It's reckless. It's radical. It's hostile and aggressive. It's 99 and very irrational. God's love causes him to leave the 99 and go after you. Pastor Will, give me some more because I want to understand this love. God's love is so moving, it's so radical that he will stop in the middle of a crowd to talk to one person. God's love is so intentional, it's so specific, it's so for you that he will go out of his way to get to the people that we go out of our way to avoid. This is God's love. He loves you that much. And God has always loved people who didn't love him back. Pastor Will, why does God love me? He loves because that's who he is. Because it's God. God is love. It's who he is. He can no more deny himself than to ever stop loving. And God's love created our love. It created our capacity to love. It creates our call to love. We love because he first loved us. It's so extravagant and inexplicable that he loved us before we were us. Before you were even formed, he loved you. He loved us before we existed. He chose to love us. God loves us because he is love. Let me ask you, are we in love with God or just the idea of him? Are we in love with God or just his stuff? Do we love God or just his gifts? Do you love God with everything or do you love everything he has for you? God is love and love is real. And here's another definition of love. Love is a decision no matter what you're feeling. Love is a decision, no matter what you're feeling. It's a choice. Pastor will prove it. I, I need some Bible. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. It's, he he pre decided, he predetermined, he predestined. Before anything, God loved and chose us. It's not an emotion, it's a decision. I want to tell you, young people, you don't fall in love and you don't catch feelings. I don't know why music tells us this. I don't know why people have a tendency to try to indoctrinate us with these lies as if it were as if you fell in love by happenstance, as if you fell in love in accident. Like you were just talking to this person, engaging in conversation and you're walking and you're holding hands and you just ran into love. That's not how that works. What do you mean you choose to love? Love is a choice and a sacrifice. It's a decision no matter what you're feeling. Colossians chapter three verse 12. God's, God loves us and has chosen you as His own special people. Listen to this because it describes love. So be gentle, kind, humble, meek and patient. These qualities describe real love. Number two, love is not an emotion, it's a decision. Love is not an emotion, it's a decision. Pastor Will, what do you mean? God's love is felt, but it's not a feeling. I don't know if you've ever felt his sense of love. This almost spiritual, it didn't really feel like that for me. It felt that I had inside of me. He was just, he was in my heart and he took up all he, he filled in that God-sized hole that I had inside of me. But I want you to know God's love is felt, but it's not limited to a feeling. I'll say it this way: emotion is a part of love, but it is not the foundation for love. It's a part of love. It's not, it's not what you build love on. Number three, why am I telling you this? Because there's a difference between love and like. This is really where we got to get into the conversation. There's a difference between love and like. Don't confuse, matter of fact, let me say it this way. Don't confuse lust with love because one is temporary and the other is eternal. One is based on feelings, and the other is based on faith. Lust is a strong desire, but love is a strong need. In fact, if I could go a little bit deeper and explain it this way, like is a feeling, and if your love is based on emotions, it's not going to last. If love is an emotion, if love is a feeling, that means when your feelings change, your love changes, and that therefore cannot be love because love doesn't change. Love lasts forever. It's a choice. It's a decision. No matter how much Lindsay changes, I will always love her. It's a choice. I will choose to love her. I've decided to love her, but that doesn't mean we, we always like each other or we like what the other person's doing. So my love for her is not contingent upon my feelings towards her. My love is based on a decision, and it's this simple: no matter how she makes me feel, I have decided, I have made up in my mind I'm going to choose love. I, even in my thinking, when we first got married, I shifted from "You make me feel" to now, I say, "I have decided. Love is a choice. And aren't you glad that God's love for you is not based on his feelings toward you? That it's not based on your performance? That God's love for you is based on who he is, and God will never love you any more or any less than he does right now in this moment. God's love for you is complete. God's love for you is full. He loves you as you are. But point number four, we got to understand this. God's love is enough to save us and to change us. God's love is enough to save us and to change us. Pastor Will, what do you mean? God loves you too much to let you stay where you are. God loves you too much to leave you where you are. He loves you too much to let you stay the same. We believe his love is what changes us. His loving kindness is what leads us to repentance. That's Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his loving kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? He didn't love love us for us to feel better about ourselves. He didn't love us. He didn't love us to hug us. He loved us to break off all the bondage of hell and the darkness that is on your life. His love is enough to save us and to change us. But our culture, our world, sinful nature does in the school you go to, our sinful nature, this is what our sinful nature does. It desires salvation without repentance. We want to be saved. We just don't want to change. We want forgiveness without change. God, forgive me for my sins, but don't let me change. Please don't make me change. Here's some more. We want love without consequences, correction or discipline. We want acceptance without disagreement or disapproval because we look at our parents and we say things like this. You just don't understand me. You just don't get it. No one understands me. No one understands what I'm going through. So you want them to love you without correcting you. You want acceptance without, without disagreement or disapproval. Blessing without responsibility and accountability. Most people want to be blessed by God but not held accountable to him. You want every promise in the Bible and none of the punishment. This is my favorite one. We want the cross Excuse me, we want the crown without the cross. We want celebration without crucifixion. I promise you, there's a verse in John chapter 15. I encourage you to read it. John chapter 15 It starts by saying God is a gardener, and it's talking about this word called pruning. For those of you that know about farming and gardening and all those things, pruning is the cutting away of something so that it can produce more. We don't like to be pruned, not realizing that if he cuts away certain things, he'll give you more. It's what he does. His, even when he takes away, it's to add more. That's love. Please listen to this. It is unbiblical and unrealistic to love God and continue to sin. It is unbiblical and unrealistic to love God and continue to sin. In Hebrews, it says, if you continue to sin after coming to the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sin. God loves us, loves us enough to save us and to change us. Number five, you are created from love, for love, with love, to love. I like that. I'm going to say it again. You're created from love, for love, you are created with love and you are created to love. If God is love and we believe that to be true, it could also be said, you're created from God, for God. He loves you so much that he made that he he made you, he designed you and then he presented you to himself. No, wait a minute, Pastor Will. I need some Bible for that. Don't worry, I got you. Because I want you to understand Lindsay, Lindsay loves it. She's a very detail-oriented person, and one of my favorite things about her is that she handles details and they help keep me out of trouble. They keep me kind of in this, this protection bubble, if you will. But I heard I used to hear this phrase all the time that the devil's in the details. And I understand that God is in the details. You may need to write this down. And why? Psalm 139. Verse 13 through 18, you may need to write this down. He says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Could you imagine the God of the universe in his rocking chair, if you will, and he's got his little yarn and thread and his little needle, and he's stitching you together. He's putting your veins where they need to go. He's making the veins in your eyeballs the way that they need to be. But some of y'all, y'all messed up because you sneezed when he did it, and you got 20-20, and some of y'all got 20-50. But he was still, he was stitching you. He was like, you'll be okay. I'll get you some glasses. He loves you that much. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Some translations say, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me. Oh God, they cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Here's, here's, a, here's a fun thought for for you that when you're asleep, God just stands over you and He's like, I love you. I know you failed three classes, but I love you. I know you skipped class, but I love you. I know you, I know you, you said something to your mom that you shouldn't have said but I love you. I know you wrecked the car and you didn't tell nobody. Actually, you lied and you told them it was a hit and run, but I love you. He just wants you to know he loves you. I want to tell you how much more he's in the details. Luke 12, 7, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. You are valuable to God. I don't know about you, but my hair nappy, and if God took the time to be like one, two, three, even the ones I lose, God is in the details. Love is in the details. Psalm 37, 20, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. The bigger issue is that we've been so hurt by those that say they love us that we run from the one who really does. I'm going to say that again. The bigger issue is that we've been so hurt by those that love us that we run from the one who really does. please write this down because you need to understand it. God hates sin. He doesn't hate you. God hates sin. He doesn't hate you. Some of you, you, just that's what you needed to hear tonight. You came here for that part of the message. God hates sin. He doesn't hate you. Romans 8. I am convinced can separate me from Not angels separate us from God's love, not death, nor life, not angels, nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. I don't care how hard Satan tries to fight to steal your soul. He cannot separate you from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Until you come to the revelation and receive that you are loved by God, you will live and love as if you're not. Until you come, until you receive this revelation that you are loved by God, that he loves you with an everlasting love, you will live and love as if you're not loved at all. God is so good that he doesn't let people's refusal of him dictate his decision to love us. Whether you receive God or not, it doesn't have anything to do with his love. You can reject him right now. You can say in this moment, I don't want anything to do with your God, Pastor Will. And he still chooses to love you. And you could decide two months from now, three years from now, 30 years from now, if you live that long. And then he says to you, I still love you. My only question is, why wait? Why wait that long? How do I know God loves you? And I'm closing. In fact, I want to invite everybody to go ahead and stand on your feet. I literally could have preached this whole message in eight words. And some of y'all are like, you should have, because, bro. But then you wouldn't understood. You wouldn't have a, just a, the simplest understanding of God's love. I actually read it to you in John chapter 3, verse 16. You, It's so good, you could preach this. I'll explain it to you. John chapter 3, 316 16. I'm going to give you the eight words. God so loved the world that he gave. Pastor will, I don't know the Bible. I don't know how to tell my friends that Jesus loves him. God so loved the world that he gave. that's all you need. Pastor will explain it to me. God so loved he don't he doesn't just regular love, he so loves. it's like added it's like I'm so in love with what I created. I don't just regularly love what I created. I so love what I created. I'm here to tell you that God's love is unconditional. It's unconditional. Pastor Will, I have no clue what that means. It means there is nothing you can do to earn it. In fact, I I wrote it this way. Love is dot, dot, dot. Love is what it is. Love is God. God is love. It's lo- Love is just, it is it is what it is because 1 John 4, 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. God doesn't love you because he doesn't love you if he doesn't love you when God just loves. Number two. God so loved the world. God's love is gl- He doesn't just love Northside. He loves Dale County. He loves Delville. He doesn't just love Northside. He loves Providence. God loves the globe. He doesn't just love Alabama. He loves Go Dogs, Georgia. He just loves. It's global. What does that mean, Pastor Will? It means love does. Love has feet to it. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, I'm going to tell you how much he loves. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. God loves everybody. Love does. It's a verb. It's an action verb. It's an action word. 1 John 3:18. It says, "Dear children, let us not merely love with our words, but let us love in action and in truth, for God so loved that he gave." Lastly, God's love is sacrificial. Pastor Will, what does that mean? Love gives. And it's so good, I'm going to explain it to you. Love gives, it forgives, and it continues to give. Love gives. He wants to give you something right now. For some of you, you already got salvation, but he wants to give you something in exchange for that hurt. He wants to give you something in exchange for that pain. He so loves that he gave, and so he wants to exchange it. But then he forgives. What does forgive mean? If we break that word down, that means he gave before you had anything to offer, and he still gave it anyway. He forgives. He forgives you of your sin. He forgives you of your mistakes. Listen to me. If you struggle with suicidal ideation, he still loves you. If you struggle with same-sex attraction, he loves you. If you struggle with an addiction, he loves you. If you struggle with pornography, he loves you. you struggle with gossip, guess what? That's good too. He loves you. He you. There's nothing you can do to change what he wants to give you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life.